Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. I'm chuckling because what you don't know is this is my fifth attempt to start this series. Um, I've been having all these technical issues with the with the playback and the and the recording software and all that stuff I just can't stand messing with. And so be patient with me as I try to get in the right stream of talking about this topic today, which is, as you see on your screen, afflicting ourselves. The purpose of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Now, why are we talking about this? Because in the main calendar of, of those who, who observe the feast, by the time this posts, well, it's already going to be past tense. So, Joel, why are you talking about Day of Atonement, man? We're already in Tabernacles, Sukkot. Don't you know what? Well, you know, so so there's two reasons why I'm, I'm doing this now. Number one, I taught on this in our fellowship um, back over the weekend. Um, so it, it's this is a few days old. Um, and number two, there are others like ourselves who have not done Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, yet in this year's calendar. It's yet upcoming. And let's say number three for good measure. The principle within the Day of Atonement understanding is kind of a year-round 24-7 reality. And so that's what I want to, That's why I'm bringing this up today. Um, in absolute specifics, just... A, an ongoing circumstance within the fellowship of believers that's in my life presently. Um, there's just a trial ongoing, a real testing of our faith, uh, a circumstance that doesn't seem fair, doesn't seem right. You know, all these questions of why. And, um, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity for us to to practice what this Day of Atonement, I'm going to present from my vantage point what it's really about. Um, and that's why it's called afflicting ourselves. Now, now that may seem a little extreme. It may seem like afflicting ourselves. What are you talking about? Well, we're going to, uh, that's, that's the whole purpose of this study. Um, and my, my main goal is that we realize that in this age, in, in 2021, that's already getting ready to, to wrap up here in mere months, we have got to embrace the humbling that is coming to the earth. The, the opportunity to humble ourselves is now here. And as the scripture talks about, and we will get to, of course, those who humble themselves will be much better postured for what's about to come to the earth. And I would say is already here. But it's going to, like the birth pangs, like the laboring, there's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity now to humble ourselves. And, and to the increment that we humble ourselves now, it will be easier for us to be humbled later in the, the incremental increase of the humbling of humanity. I would say through the shaking of, of all that we know that is going to continue to ramp up in these days. Um, so afflicting ourselves, the purpose of Yom Kippur, the purpose of Day of Atonement. Now, now you may be watching this as you are on your Sukkot timeline. You may be camping right now. You may be with a group of people or you may be in your backyard. 
um, embracing the sukkah understanding, the, the tabernacle understanding coming from Leviticus, which we will talk about today, of course. Or you may be like myself, it's coming up in a few weeks. Or you might never really have understood um, the feasts or Sabbath. Or I thought they're the feasts of the Jews. Well, we're told in Scripture very clearly they are the feasts of Yahweh Elohim. They were never, they are not now, nor will they ever be the feasts of the Jews. They are the feasts of Yahweh. And that's good for us to know if we're just kind of mainline Christians who don't observe the feasts or think that they were for the Jews. They were never named, scripturally speaking, for the Jews. They're the feasts of the Lord. So they are his, and by invitation, they can now be ours. Um, it is a, an extension of his feasts to his people for whoever will come in and observe and keep them. Um, now, Yom Teruah is, is, is right here for us, and I will add that um, if you don't know anything about Yom Teruah, it's very intriguing. Um, two years ago, almost to the day, uh, the father instructed me to get in the water with my wife, mikvah. I was beginning to understand in tiny measure the, the understanding of water immersion, mikvah, um, and the cleansing attributes and what it represented and, and what it accomplished in Old Testament understanding and how that came through the New Testament. And, of course, John the Baptist did not have some new idea of, of just dunking people in the water to become Christians. <laughs> um, it was something that had been going on, the living water's reality. And so without going into all that, I just want to make it clear that some of you may have already gone through and observed Yom Teruah, trumpets, and some, like myself, you're about to. Um, and some, again, I don't know what you're talking about. What What is this? Trumpets. Now, man, I want to, but that's not what this teaching is about. I would love to talk about that as well, because we're told that, one, Yeshua is coming back. No man knows the day or the hour, but all of the all of the insinuation, if you will, that's, that's buried and hidden so beautifully within Yom Teruah, when the shofar blasts, he will return. So, and he told his followers, what? You know the season. You know the season. Well, what's the season? Yom Teruah, the blasting of the shofar, the returning of the bridegroom. It's a beautiful, beautiful imagery. And I hope you know that, friend. I hope you understand that. We can know the season of his return. And so a dear brother of mine shares um, from his perspective, like every Yom Teruah, he is so postured and like really waiting and watching like we're instructed for his return. We will know the season. We will know the time. No man knows the day or the hour. And see, that's the beauty of Yom Teruah. That's the feast where no man knows the day or the hour. That is actually how it's called, what it's called, what it's referred to as being. It's the feast. No man knows the day or the hour. Oh, that's just coincidence. No, friend. Yahweh God has a calendar and it's beautiful and it is for our good. And if we are outside of the calendar of, of Yahweh Elohim, friend, it, we will be what? It, we will be the thief in the night people from the standpoint of, I didn't even know he was coming. 
I thought we're just always supposed to be ready. Now, yes, we are supposed to always be watching and waiting, but I believe we have been told through the mysterious beauty of the scriptures, we've been told the season. And if we're not a if we're not living according to the Moedim seasons that, again, are the feasts of Yahweh Elohim, not the feasts of the Jews, we will be caught off guard. We will not know when he's coming. But we have been told he's, he's good. <laughs> he wants his people to know. So this, this, this series, um, which will probably be a couple parts, again, I taught on this um, mere days ago, and I kept it to 35 minutes. But man, I moved, so I don't know. Plus, there's things in the study that I didn't share then that we will go over in this one. Um, but the focus of today, as we're talking about, is this Day of Atonement. Um, the scriptural understanding of Day of Atonement. And, and I'm going to make some things very clear as we go, the best I know how, that I want to make this our focus um, to prepare our hearts for the fall feasts, or perhaps like you're already in them, just to give you an expanded understanding. And, and man, there's most of you who watch this may know way more about this than I will ever know. I understand that, but there's still maybe facets that in my studies to add to my life from a from a very elementary position as I'm just now learning. Because again, two years ago, we started this ancient way walk. It's very new. I'm learning so much. I know very little. But maybe it'll be an addition um, so we can understand this specifically. Now, Hebraic tradition says one thing, Bible. <laughs> Bible instruction says one thing, but Jewish tradition towards Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, kind of says another. As far as rabbinical teaching goes, mostly what you will hear about, and even in Messianic congregations, the, 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 the real push will be fasting. Um, and it is, it is absolutely a part of the Day of Atonement understanding and observing, but it, I would say it is not the whole purpose of this feast day. It is not. It's according to Scripture alone. Now, if we just stick to the Scripture, we're going to see a very distinct um, division, if you will. Well, the division is not a good word. A specificity... <laughs> Of what this day is, because again, this is called afflicting ourselves. You shall afflict your souls, okay? You shall humble your souls. And we're going to take these words, and of course, we're going to dive into them hard and heavy because we love to talk about words and their meanings, meanings here on the program. And so let's just go ahead and read some of the text um, from Leviticus chapter 16. Our primary text here, I don't even know if we'll get to 23. Um, but let's just read some verses in Leviticus chapter 16. Follow along if you want to. And this will be our primary um, foundation, if you will, of what we're going to talk about. And this shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls. You shall afflict your souls or afflict yourself. Don't do any work, whether the native or alien who sojourns among you, for it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you. Why? To, for what? To cleanse you. You shall be clean from all your sins before Yahweh Elohim. Okay, so why is this such a big day still for the Jewish people? If you take out Messiah, if you take out Yeshua Messiah's um, atoning work, 
this day, of course, is of utmost importance to the, the rabbinical Jewish understanding because this, your whole life is dependent upon that verse right there. That on this day, you are cleansed. You are humble. If you humble yourself, you will be clean from all your sins before Yahweh. Continuing on, verse 31. This day is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you that you may humble your souls. Here we are again. You shall afflict yourself. It is a permanent statute. So the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as priest in his father's place shall make atonement. He shall thus put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. He shall also make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. Verse 34, and then we'll stop right here. You shall have this as a permanent statute to make atonement for the sons of Israel for all their sins once every year, just as Yahweh Elohim had commanded Moses, so he did. Okay, so let's just talk about this for a couple of minutes. This is the word in Hebrew for fasting, okay? Because as we just looked at, because again, we're going to set a little precedence here to distinguish, well, is all that we do on Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, fast? Is that all that there is for us to do? Because that's, again, that's, that's what you will hear in a lot of presentations of the, the pinnacle and the main point of the day. I listened to um, some commentaries, some interviews, and some rabbinical teachings, and and several people who live in Israel, who are considered secular Jews, talked about how you live however you want. You don't, you don't study Torah. You don't live according to the feast. You don't follow the cycle. You just kind of function as a bloodline Jew. But on that day, on Yom Kippur, oh boy, now this day's different. Even if you live however you want 24-7, 364 days out of the year. This is the high holy day. This is the day where, son, you better do something on that day. Why? Well, because of the verse we just read, because if you want cleansed from all your sins, you better observe this one. And so it's interesting to me that even that understanding, a secular Jew will fast on this day. But the problem is that I'm going to present, and again, what we're saying is a groundwork place to start from, if that's all we do, even now, today, as, as believers in Yeshua, the grafted-in reality, we miss the point. If all we do is fast, we miss the point because, friend, anyone can fast. People can fast to become a better athlete or to become, uh, you know, to, to improve their health. I mean, anyone can fast by will. And so what I'm presenting is, yes, fast, that's fine. We, we can fast Whenever we choose and whenever we're instructed according to the feast calendar, yes and amen, that's fine. But if we're not careful, we will miss the entire purpose of the greater overreaching layers of what it means to afflict your soul for the proper understanding of the purpose of the Day of Atonement. And so we have to know what this is saying. And the reason why this is on your screen here is the Hebrew word for fast is som. S-O-M, you see it right there, Som. That is 
just very simply described, we'll just read a few verses to make the point clear, that this is this word psalm is not in the Leviticus text here talking about Day of Atonement. It is in Joel chapter 1, consecrate a fast, a psalm. Second Samuel, David was fearing losing his son because of his, his disobedience, and we know the story. David therefore pleaded with Yahweh for the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. He psalm. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, So I gave my attention to Yahweh Elohim to seek him by prayer and by pleading with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. With sackcloth, ashes, and psalm, I fasted, is what Daniel was saying. And so, if, if we were told to fast, and that's the main singular point within the Day of Atonement understanding, this would say, fast. Your souls, yourself, your, we'll get to nefesh. We'll get to that in a little bit. Just fast. Deny yourself food. But this is not the word that we see. In fact, what we see is this word here. In Hebrew, it's anah. Okay? And I want to drive this home because anah, take, okay, so you have fasting. If you, you have fasting, which is, we'll say, a bowl, a bowl of water. Fasting. Just to give some imagery and you know, imagination. It's good. It's necessary. But by comparison, fasting, psalm, is a bowl of water. Ana, however, is a swimming pool of water. Ana. And so you can, you can pour the fasting into the pool of ana, and that's fine. Let it be a component. Let it be a part. But it is a mere part. Okay, now this is what we're going to get into next because this is what we're instructed to do, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. And I believe, as if you watch the program at all, I believe this is as much for us today and even more so because of the awesome work of Yeshua Messiah even, even expanded into us today to be invited into observing this awesome, beautiful feast day. It's incredible. <laughs> We, we don't heighten and, and exalt Yeshua Messiah to his awesome high priest status by leaving this behind and just saying, well, I'm always in that atonement condition. We heighten it by remembering and bringing it all the way to the now and adding that to it and exalting it to a higher place through Yeshua Messiah's beautiful, awesome, great high priestly work. And so I hope that that, makes, that is made clear in this as we continue. So this Hebrew word, anah, which is in the, the Yom Kippur uh, text in Leviticus, says we are to anah our souls, anah ourselves, our nefesh. We'll get to that just briefly later. Now, now this is, again, not psalm. This is anah, to humble ourselves. Afflicted was used in Scripture, 83 times in 79 verses in the Old Testament. So it's in there a lot. Um, now the first use is in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. The very first appearance of this Anah is with Abram. And we'll read the text. I'll just, I will just won't show it on the screen. We'll just put it here. Yahweh said to Abram, Know this for certain, your descendants will be foreigners in a land that is not theirs, they will be slaves and servants, make a note, and they shall be afflicted. For 
um, there for 400 years, okay? So right away we see a Nah connected to something. Because again, law first mentioned, servanthood. Yahweh is speaking to Abram and he's telling him something that's going to transpire. Your, your offspring will be slaves and servants and they will be afflicted. They will be Anah. Genesis 16, 6. We're still with Abraham. Abram. He's speaking with his wife, Sarai, about what to do with Hagar. We know the account of Hagar in that situation that got very ugly. Abram said, this is quote, and is reading the verse. Abram said to Sarai, look, your slave woman, okay, servant, slave, she is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, Anna, and she, Hagar, fled from her presence, okay? So again, second mention is Genesis 16, 6. Abram says, your slave woman, your servant, is under your power. She's, she's under your authority. Thereby, treat her harshly, Anna. Now, whether we like that or not is really irrelevant. We can't be like, well, that doesn't even sound fair. How could she do that? That's just take that and put it over here because, first of all, let's let's put our thumb on that place in our heart that does not want to be a slave servant to our master. Like, we buck up against that perhaps when we read it. Wait, she shouldn't have been afflicted. She shouldn't have been treated harshly. We have to understand these things from a biblical um, perspective or, we'll, or we will not fulfill being a servant. We won't. We won't understand it. In fact... We'll hate it, and we'll buck up against it, and we'll go our own way. And we'll be a lawless people like we talk about to no end here on the program who look at Yahweh and say, I'm not going to do that. I don't believe. I live in a New Testament understanding of God now in Jesus, and Jesus is kind and patient and full of grace. As we've talked about in recent episodes, Yahweh was, is, and always will be a merciful Elohim. He has always been merciful. All throughout the Old Testament, he can't help himself but extend himself, his very essence, to humanity, the apple of his eye, in mercy, time and time again. Nothing's changed. He's always been merciful. So this continues on. Now, only three verses later, again, we're looking at the use of Anah from the very beginning in the Word of God, as the angel of the Lord speaks now to Hagar. So Anah appears in... Um, Abram speaking to Sarah on how to treat Hagar, Hagar, and then Hagar is told this from the angel of the Lord in three verses later. So the angel of Yahweh said to her, Hagar, return to your mistress, your master, and submit yourself to her authority. Anah yourself to the authority of your master because you are a servant and a slave to her. Okay, so we're making a point clear that that to afflict ourselves, to humble ourselves, to anah, which is what we're told to do on Day of Atonement, the purpose of Yom Kippur, is to recognize we're a servant and a slave and we are under the authority of our master, Yahweh Elohim. Psalm 119, David is talking about this word anah. Before I was afflicted, anah, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me. 
it goes on in 119 later, it was good for me that I was afflicted so that I may learn your statutes. Friend, we will never bow our knee to the statutes and word of Yahweh Elohim if we do not welcome being afflicted. Anah, broken, humble. Job, in the middle of his trials before men, this is what he said. And now I, Job, have become their taunt. I have become a byword to them. They loathe me and stand aloof from me. And they do not refrain from spitting in my face because Yahweh has undone my bowstring and afflicted me. Yahweh has me. Job was, to use the words bowstring or cord, if you just took the time to uh, look into that in the Hebrew understanding, their Hebrew understanding of this bowstring, undone my bowstring, was he had been humiliated. Job was laid low, ravished is one of the words to describe that. He had his dignity removed before all men. Now, why would we say that? Because that's the key within living in the point that we're going to get to and basking in the beautiful work of the great high priest is, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we see that the key to this is we have to deliberately humble ourselves before our master king as willing slaves and servants to his will, his way, his law, and as David said, what? So that I may learn your statutes, right? We have to learn and submit ourselves to his will, his ways, and I would even say because of what this is about, to his feasts, the feasts of Yahweh Elohim. If we, give ourse- if we don't get convinced in our mind that we now live in some metaphorical grace age where none of those things matter, we have to be careful we don't exalt ourselves like now we're in because of the Hebrews' understanding and so much stuff we don't understand and get confused. Well, Hebrews says that this is now greater and that was all lesser. and We don't understand what that means. And we miss the point in our own... In our own accidental arrogance, we say, well, somehow we're in an ascended place now where we're better than those Jewish people keeping those feasts. They didn't know God like we know God. Friends, do we understand? Do we understand that the presence of Yahweh Elohim dwelled in their midst, in their literal camp? And we think because we're indwelled by Holy Spirit, post-Yeshua, and all these new covenant realities, we think we've been convinced that, oh, well, they didn't really know Yahweh like me. It humbles me to recall what these men did have, what they did have. Man, they... I would love a day to go back in time and be in tabernacles where Yahweh Elohim was tabernacling with men. Fire of his presence is shooting out (laughs) smoke and pillars of fire. Friend, Yahweh has always been revealing himself to humanity. Now we're going to read this and we'll we'll make this part one and move on. Okay, because again, I want to be clear as we end this part, that I am not saying in any way that fasting 
cannot and should not be a part of Day of Atonement. Um, and, and, and again, I, I like the imagery that, I, to me, made sense of the bowl of water versus the pool. You don't just throw out the bowl of water. You add it into the whole, the entirety of it. And so, and to make that clear scripturally, because that's the whole point. If it's not scripturally, it's just our opinions, which mean nothing. Um, we do see the two joined together in several places in scripture, okay? The, this anah and the, um, what's the other word? Psalm, fasting and afflicting, okay? In Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, we see the two joined together. Then I proclaimed a fast, Psalm. There at the river of Ahava, why? To anah ourselves, to humble ourselves before Yahweh, to seek him from a safe journey for us, our little ones, and our possessions. So in Ezra, when he's proclaiming a fast, he does that in order to anah, in order to humble himself. Okay? Isaiah 58, we also see fasting and afflicting together. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves? And you didn't notice, okay? So again, we're making a, 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 broad pre, a, a broad premise, if you will, that fasting is a part, but not the whole, of the purpose of Yom Kippur, in my, in my understanding. So again, to be clear, it can be a part, but should not be limited to fasting alone. Um, according to the Hebrew text, it's just more broad than, than just the single act of fasting. And so we're going to end this part here. We're going to get into the next one. Um, what are we going to talk about? Well, okay, so if fasting is not the single point of Yom Kippur, the single activity, action for us to do, what then? What is it about? Well, we're going to go deeper into the Hebrew understanding of Anah. And we're also going to, man, I hope we can get in the next part into the beautiful work of the great high priest because... Friends, we cannot understand the work of the great high priest unless we understand the work of the great high priest that preceded him. We've talked about that in other series. We can maybe link to those down here um, on that if I can find them. Because we're not going to go into as deep of a place with that. But the, the work of the high priest is of utmost importance. Utmost importance. And so we will get to that as well. So we're talking about afflicting ourselves, the purpose of the Day of Atonement, the purpose of Yom Kippur. Thank you for watching. This is the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the beautiful ancient way that has been extended to us through Yeshua Messiah. And I'm glad to be sharing it with you. If you want to reach out to us, Path to Zion podcast at gmail.com is the place to do it. Share these videos if, if, you're, if you have friends or family that are maybe curious about the feast or maybe they have never even been presented the beauty within them. Maybe it could just spark something in all of us to give ourselves to the feasts of Yahweh Elohim and all that they mean and all that they are. Thank you for watching. We'll be back for part two right after this.